0: Hi, I'm David Brothers, co-host of the Planning podcast. I want to open this episode with a disclaimer. We had a slight snafu while recording this one, so the audio quality isn't up to what we usually aim for. Please uh, bear with us for this one. The conversation about Mermaid Saga is a pretty good one, and it's well worth your time. Anyway, and now, Manga Planning.
1: Manga Explaining the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read manga before hosted by Deb David Brothers, myself Christopher Butcher and Ships Darski follow along with our reading list at mangexplaining.com
2: Hi my name is Deb and we um, this week's episode of Manga Explaining we are going to be talking about one of I guess one of the, one of the all-time great manga creators Rumiko Takahashi and um, Rumiko Takahashi is um, been honored as one of the most successful manga creators in the world, not only in Japan, but in throughout Europe, in South America, she's very well known. She's published a lot of different manga that are very, very popular and very, very long. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could argue that you know introducing Rumiko Takahashi to someone new to manga would you would say, Oh, read one, read Ranma One Half, that goofy manga about gender gender bending and kung fu. And you would not be wrong, except Rama One Half is like 40 something volumes. You could say, well, why not introduce him to Inuyasha, one of the most popular mangas an anime that's been around, where there's this guy with like little, little white ears, and it's like he's always yelling at this girl, Kagome, and they fight and they have giant knives and stuff like that. You would not be wrong either, except Inuyasha is, I think, 70 something volumes. <laughs> <laughs> so, in light of trying to get into Remika Takahashi, but in a little more low-key way, we are going to be talking about Mermaid Saga. Mermaid hey. Saga was originally published as three volumes, but now Viz Media is putting them out as two volumes. The other interesting thing about Mermaid Saga is that it is a horror series. Um, a lot of Rumiko Takahashi's work, um, like Rama One Half, um, Urasuyatsura, a lot of its comedies, but Mermaid Saga is actually a drama. It's a horror story. There's still some touches of humor in there, but it is largely um, a horror story about a a young man who becomes immortal because when he eats the flesh of a mermaid and he meets other people who are both, who are either also immortal or trying to become immortal or Mm. cursed by the mermaid, but by the curse of the mermaid. Anyway, this is, I guess it's kind of like a, it's a kind of like a folktale about the mer- about eating a mermaid's flesh gives you immortality. Mm. So anyway, let's see. I mean, there's a lot to say about Rumiko Takahashi. I mean, I think a lot of people talk about her work as being kind of a gateway drug mm. <laughs> to manga. Chris, David, how did you get introduced to Rumiko Takahashi?
1: I'll jump in. I Actually, Ranma in anime was the first anime that really grabbed me after Akira. I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago you know, I had, these young, I had friends when I was young. They started, they pretended to be university students, started tape trading with university students. They were like 12. Got a bunch of videos. And the one that I really loved of all the stuff that we watched was Ranma. And it was so fun. Uh, it was funny. The martial arts were really good. It was a little bit naughty because it had lots of boob jokes, uh, which was good. <laughs> and that was the one that like really, that really grabbed me. Then I actually discovered that there were Ronma comics. So I would go to the comic book store and you know, buy stuff, and but it was all Marvel superheroes and Transformers, and <laughs> I would be like, oh, there's comics of this, and I would read a couple here or there, or the other biz comics that were coming out. Sometimes mermaids, uh, the mermaid saga, which was uh, Mermaid Forest, I think at that point. Sometimes koku which I also liked, but yeah, I really loved the anime, and I was like, this person is someone to watch, and I was really actually taken by the fact that it was a woman who was making it and had like. You know it was it was it was just so unique based on everything else I was reading at the time that i couldn't I couldn't not like it, so that was my introduction, Rumiko Takahashi, David. how about yours?
0: Mine's pretty similar. I should probably lead with like a huge conflict of interest this <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about that. Um, yeah. It'll be fine, right? Yeah, sure. But so when I, similarly, like I, I saw Akira as a kid, Vampire Hunter D, Fist of the North Star, and later, uh, once I got, once I could rent videotapes on my own, I rented Random one half. Was, I think it was Nihau My Concubine, uh, one yeah. of like the movies. Yeah. So I'd never seen the series in its entirety, just mm-hmm. in, like two or three 45 minute like clip shows, or clips rather. And I really enjoyed it. Like, I thought the fighting was really funny, the action was good. It was exciting that there was nudity, <laughs> yeah. because obviously, like, being a teenager in the 90s. And I didn't know that she did comics for a very long time until after I saw Inuyasha on Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. And, like, after I found out she did comics, like, it suddenly made a lot more sense why her work was so good. Because the anime is great, but her comics are even better. Like, her co- uh, comedic timing, comic timing is exquisite. Yeah.
3: How, how much input does she have on the anime?
0: Uh, I think usually it's a, they'll follow the path she set down, but she doesn't actually write episodes or direct anything. Mm. Okay. So it's sort of like they option it and go off and do their thing, because there's like this whole apparatus for turning uh, manga into anime. Yeah, yeah. And so I imagine they'll run things by her, but they'll do episodes that are just like not from the manga at all. Mm. Like entirely new.
1: Uh, basically, I mean, she's doing a 20-something pages a week right Mm -hmm. so there's all this stuff that's happening around her work that's like there was a rumiko takahashi pop-up cafe in japan there was like the anime series there's all this other stuff and it's just like i think the mangaka would love to be more involved but at a certain point they just realized it's not it's not going to happen. Like my time has to be spent at the drawing board, creating new things yeah. that they will turn into cafes and anime. So, so yeah, I think she's aware of everything, but I know she has. She works really closely uh, with her editor uh, and her editorial team, and it's. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, I would say nothing happens that she isn't on board with, but she doesn't. She doesn't like do it all anymore. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah.
2: She's not that old. I, I think she's maybe in her maybe mid to late 60s at this mm. point. She got yeah. a very early start in her career in the 70s, I think, as a teenager.
0: Mm. Yeah, she's 63.
2: And I think, like, uh, Chris, you'd mentioned earlier that she was a she was an assistant, or she learned from Kazuo Koike.
1: So, yeah, right before she made her professional debut with, like, an early version of Lum, she uh, took a class by Kazuo Koike, who made Lomph uh, and Cup, which I think... It, Chip, you're familiar with that, with Lone Wolf and Cub, right? You're not that <laughs> unlearned. <laughs> you, know,
3: you know, okay, here's how I learned about Lone Wolf and Cub. It was a single-page gag in Marvel's uh, What The. Yeah. And it, was, it, was, it was like Lone, Wolvie, and Chris, and it was Chris Claremont in Wolverine's backpack. And it's just like it was all dialogue because it was making fun of Chris Claremont. That's how yeah. I found out about level of income. <laughs> and then uh, later on when I shared a studio with Kagan McLeod, he had all the volumes. And he would he would show me
1: stuff in them, but I I never actually made my way through them. Maybe one day, maybe one day, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I found that out and I was like, oh, that's really surprising. But I'd heard she's never confirmed this, which makes this like an urban legend, but I, I'd heard that she never assisted Koike. She like was instructed by him mm-hmm. right before she broke in and then obviously stopped going to school because she's got a Sean and Sunday deal. But I heard that she assisted the creator of cat-eyed boy, Mezu, uh, Kazuo mm-hmm. Mezu, who does like the, the, the horror comic, like the Japanese horror master, uh, and that she was an assistant. She's never confirmed it, but in, like everyone knows this. Uh, she's oh. never denied it either. So wow. it's not part of her official bio anywhere. But Ooh. I was really struck by that by, while reading Mermaid Saga, actually, is how much it felt like certain kinds of Mezu horror stories, uh, particularly Cat-Eyed Boy, like or the really episodic stuff. But we're, I've, I've accidentally segues into Mermaid Saga. I don't know. I
3: mean... What's the what's the order in her career? Because I'm familiar with Ranma. I'm mm-hmm. familiar with Maison Akuku. And, mm-hmm. and, and um, those have a lot more similarities than this. So
1: where does this fall in her that publishing? Is after that. This is it, yeah. this actually happened. She was working it's on kind of this simultaneously with Ranma.
2: Simultaneously.
1: Yeah. So what? she would be doing Ranma, and then she'd, you know... Once this appeared, I think, in a, a monthly magazine, whereas Ranma was weekly. But before that was Maisonakoku, koku And before that, her first really big series was uh, Yurisei Yatsura, LAM, um, which yeah, is wow. also getting a simultaneous release in big, oversized formats from Viz right now, which is interesting. Uh, Ranma is the... Like, the odd one out where the, like, version that they came up with during the Tokyo Pop boom years is the version that's still in print, whereas everything else is slowly getting turned into, like, big editions or reprints mm. with color pages or that kind of thing. So this is actually a pretty, this is simultaneous with Ranma, and uh, it's. I would say it's an early work, especially when you look at her most recent work. This is There's a lot of different stuff going on here, and I think she's huge closer to her influences on this uh, than, uh, like, I see a lot of Kweiki, I see a lot of Umezu, I see a lot of early shonen stuff, uh, and Adachi actually less soft than Mitsuru Adachi's work, but yeah, uh, I, I see all that too. <laughs> <laughs> all right,
3: got up my own ass. Uh, yeah, good, 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 job with the introduction to manga podcast, Chris.
0: <laughs> The show notes are going to be eight hundred words long, um, right? But he's right. Like, there's really. Uh, Takahashi's like a Hall of Fame creator. And I mm-hmm. think that it kind of shows in what Chris is talking about that she has these influences and peers and artists working in similar modes mm-hmm. that are just as kind of legendary. Mm-hmm. So, like, she's in really good company, basically. Yeah. And it's cool to see an earlier work like this. I think this was like 87, something like that. 84.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
2: this. 84. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's like it was published. I think that the two books in The Mermaid's Hug were published over a period of 10 years, mm-hmm. 84 to 94. Yep.
1: Whenever she felt like doing an extra story Mm -hmm. that month, we got a a Mermaid Saga story. But she's also done, by the way, tons of other short stories, uh, some of which have been reprinted in North America and some of which haven't, in addition to her huge, long, epic, like, she hasn't, I I, I don't think she, I think she took, like, two months off, but in all that time, she's had an ongoing, like, weekly serialization in Shonen Sunday Magazine since the 80s, different Mm -hmm. series each time. Yeah.
3: Sorry, pardon me for just one second. I'm just looking up Rumiko Takahashi's net worth.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's Seven, a, that's the other thing. It's like seventy million
1: dollars. Seventy, $70 million dollars. That's pretty good for Japan. Their salary. Uh, <laughs> she has one,
0: two, three. She has four series that are over thirty-five volumes. Awesome. So like she's done a ton of work to make that seventy million.
1: I had a a statement that I was going to go for, but I I was doing some quick back of the envelope. As we say math, I think she's the most published Japanese cartoonist in English. I think there are more pages of Rumiko Takahashi work in print right now than any other cartoonist in English. And I'm Mm -hmm. talking not just manga, but like she's got maybe four or 5,000 pages of in print comics uh, yeah. Even Kirby's oof is like not quite as in print as <laughs> Rumiko Takahashi's. Oof, you know, it's yeah. a little bit crazy.
3: And uh, I mean, it makes sense because she's one of the only creators that have actually read her stuff. Yeah, um, she crossed over. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's so accessible, mm. like, unbelievably accessible work. You,
0: you were, mean that in a literal sense, like? easy to find or also in terms of like being a reader and like getting hooked into the story,
3: being a reader and getting hooked. Like, uh, I, I enjoyed the ones I read when I was uh, in high school and I kind of thought going into this, that maybe the sheen would be off because my memories were so positive in high school, but, um, like it it grabbed me, uh, quicker than our previous two books. Mm. Really? really? Right off the bat, eh? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, we we can get into it in terms of the re- <laughs> the review and the book discussion, but it's uh, yeah, I I can't actually recall reading a comic that grabbed me and surprised me as continuously as this one did, like ever. Ooh. Like, I was I was pleasantly surprised by this.
2: Wow, and you, yeah. and you had never read this before, right? This is your first time reading this. This, this is my
3: first time reading it. Um, it, it though, I mean, it, it did bring back memories of um, uh, Ranma and uh, uh, Maisonakuku for sure, because mm. uh, I remember those being like, "Oh, they're page turners, they're real page turners," and and and
1: this one lived up to that. <laughs> you look gobsmacked, Chris. I yeah, I'm happy. I think it speaks to just how strong a creator she is, but for this. Uh, and i really liked huge aspects of this but it's i i got to the end of it and i was like it made me want to read other comics by her i liked more <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so i'm kind of shocked that you liked it so much
3: I, I i can see it like by the end i'm like okay i can I, I i did want to find out what happened but i was like just thoroughly entertained by this that i don't actually feel the need to keep going if that makes sense
1: mm-hmm.
3: it does make me want to read her other works
2: it is interesting the way that the mermaid saga is structured is that every one of these chapters could be a standalone story. Mm-hmm. It, you know, like you could finish it and then, um, you could finish it and walk away and go like, yeah, you know, that was a kind of satisfying ending to these characters, uh, adventure. Like, mm, yeah. and you wouldn't feel sad about like, oh, what's going to happen next to them next. Although, you know, the story does build a little bit. Like you see mm-hmm. the, the character of Utah, um, and mana and you know, the relationship grows a little bit, but, yeah. and, but it's not like, it's not as dependent on backstory as say like your one piece, like one piece builds and builds and builds and builds and builds with characters and backstory and things that just kind of come out and it becomes this very multi-layered story. This is just kind of like, like Master Keaton, which is by Nog Kurosawa, mm. which is kind of like you, you have a premise, Here's the story. Here's here's the here's the character in a in a new story, and mm. then it ties it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, so this what makes it very you know easy to get into because you're not on the hook for you know volumes and volumes of story.
3: Yeah, well, what I liked about the the multiple story kind of format of this was mm-hmm. the that they she played with the, the immortality of the characters and bounced around in time. Um, like that's the kind of thing that really fascinates me as a reader and as a writer, uh, like, you know, not a plug for my own book, but I'm, I'm working on a book that's, uh, uh called Stillwater. That's about a town where you can't die. And, oh, and I
2: didn't know that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, that's why I thought you picked it for me. I'm reading this. I'm like, wait a second.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
3: Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out ways to kind of bounce around in time to tell the story. And, uh, um so with this i was both kind of elated to see it done so well but also it kind of crushed me a little bit because i'm not going to hit these heights uh, which is kind of the problem i have reading most comics <laughs> <laughs> With the comics i read i'm either like oh that that's a shitty comic well at least i'm better than that or mm-hmm. that's an amazing comic i'll never be as good as that and this no way is in between that. very rarely <laughs> yeah
0: uh no i agree with what you're saying about how it's cool she kind of variations on a theme are always really interesting to me i guess is what Mm. i'm trying to say like when an artist keeps plugging at the same idea or same kind of concept over and over but slightly different each time Mm -hmm. uh because i'll confess i didn't realize that it was the same yuta in the the first couple of stories because i was like oh like this is a new chapter this must be a new guy and she's just reusing the name and i was like no that's dumb Like it's definitely,
3: (laughs) but it it was cool to
0: see them like shift that way.
3: Yeah, it took me a few pages to realize that as well. Yeah, and then and then you catch up and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, Mm -hmm. that that actually adds like another like element of depth to the story, just kind of already knowing the previous adventure and the previous time.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and she's the kind of artist that has kind of a, um, what do they call it? Tezuka had like a constellation of characters, like yeah, different faces exactly. that he would reuse and, mm-hmm. and different stories. A house,
2: kind of a house style.
0: Yeah. And mm-hmm. she definitely does the same thing where some characters, I'm like, oh, well, like this one's Rama, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was
1: like this one's Rama. And then, oh, he's wandering. Maybe it's Ryoga, who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with a headband. <laughs> Yeah, I actually I was a little thrown back the first time something really outlandishly violent happened. I was like, "Holy shit, what's <laughs> happening in Ranma?" And I was like, "No, yeah. you're not watching. This isn't Ranma. This is, this is the Mermaid Saga, and outlandishly violent shit's going to happen."
0: Yeah. yeah, she still has a few good funny bits in there here and there.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. usually involving eating. <laughs> yeah,
0: especially.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's, there's the like one of my favorite parts. I think comedy hits harder when you go a long time without it in a story and uh, there's a scene I think it was in the present day where uh, Yuta's going on about you know his past or whatever and he says you know I, I must be boring you and Mana goes yup and walks away <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's, just, it's just a perfect bit of comedy and I don't know how much of that is Takahashi and how much of it is the translator yeah. uh, uh, it's 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 so perfect <laughs> especially after <laughs> everything that's happened and like you know, these this kind of wild adventures and stuff. And this bond, she's like, yep, walks away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think it is her. But I, w- I will give a shout out to Rachel Thorne, who, who translated this, um, oh, yeah, this Rachel's uh, awesome. series. And Rachel has a really wonderful way of doing uh, conversational uh, hmm. you know, translation where you're, you're not taken out of the story. Yeah. It doesn't feel it feels very natural how they're speaking.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. like, uh, like uh, this compared to, sorry, uh, Delicious and Dungeons, like, obviously Delicious and Dungeons, there's a lot more kind of fun comedy bits, but I also found, like, I couldn't tell if the translation was not as good, like, like, like there's so many awkward kind of bits that I kind of kept having to go back over, um, but with this, it, it read so smoothly. So yeah, a shout out to the translator or uh, shout like out the to Takahashi for yeah, <laughs> and the editor yeah. for like keeping it just kind of so tight and yeah, nothing nothing felt like it was a like it was an awkward translation, you know. It's very nice. Yeah, very smooth. And and you yeah. know, also compared to uh, Akira, now that I know that this is a thing that happens in manga, see, I'm learning. <laughs> the, what did you the, learn? What did you learn? The opening painted parts. Mm. <laughs> or uh, or the uh, or when um, she would use the ink wash, um, it, it it's very beautiful
1: in this. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like it, it's really really well done. The color pages, she's phenomenal. She's so so good. Uh, and there was actually I was surprised about that because this went to great lengths to reprint even mid book oh. pages in full color, mm-hmm. and they're beautiful. Like they're really gorgeous. <laughs> Uh, some, of them, was,
2: some of them aren't like there's a, there's a one section where it looks yeah, like it's, it's supposed to be color it looks really muddy
1: so it goes from color to this muddy black and white and i can't tell if that was because mm. um, so there's a thing in her work uh, and you don't really see it till you get to japan but They'll do pages in color, but they'll also do pages in one color. So it'll be black ink, but then they'll do, like, an orange wash A different mm-hmm. – orange is a popular color for it. And this kind of looks a little bit like that because it looks like it's tones, but it looks muddy. And maybe mm-hmm. just the original orange wasn't available or it was in full color and they couldn't get the files or something. But it's, it's a weird – there's a weird segment at the beginning of the Mermaid Forest section. It, uh, it is a little muddy and repro. Did you notice? Did it throw you out, or were you like, um, oh, fine. Um, I, I
3: just thought it was kind of like a darker feel to it. I'm trying to kind of, kind of call it back up again.
1: Oh, it's so uh, page. I was just there. Pages like one sixty three, one sixty four, one sixty five in the printed version. The black is really sharp, really beautifully printed actually. But yeah, the greys there do come across as a little muddy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I think it's definitely the one color. Sort of like how Darwin Cook did the uh, Parker books, like with the Sure, yeah, absolutely. Because oh. kind of uh, okay. it's an easy way to make your pages like a little more exciting in serialization,
3: mm-hmm. but then
0: it creates a problem <laughs> when you've collected it. Especially for an older series. Like I can't imagine the original files for this are still kicking around. So I yeah. think
3: this Looking here. at this too, it, it's, um, I forget the name of the type of paper, but you, you can, you can see you that's a type to... of, it's not, no, what, um, what, uh, Takahashi actually painted on.
2: Oh, it's, yeah, it has that kind of, that little, uh, that line quality. Like, the texture uh, is really nice.
3: Yeah. 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 It's really nice, but it's also, that's what kind of gives it that kind of muddiness, I think as well, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of bleed happening there and, uh. And 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 part of the problem is too just like to to make thing to make the black line crisper, usually you do that on a separate layer. Yeah, um, like like one of my first jobs was doing a, a comic for a newspaper, where I had to like do all the black line on like semi-transparent sheets, and then I do the color or you know, the gray. Like mm-hmm. underneath it, like I'd always had to flip back and forth like an animator to make it line up, and they they'd run those through the press separately and and in in this case, like she's clearly done it all on that paper, which has a yeah. very bleeding line, which uh which is definitely jarring, mm-hmm. especially when you when you put the text over because the text is always really sharp yeah. Really black. yeah, that's interesting.
0: It's I like the little things like that, especially with older manga, where you can kind of see see the hand of the creator like it's, on the page. Yeah. yeah. Even like if that. it's, you know, an imperfection or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because like I still feel like drawings are one of the coolest things in the world. <laughs> because juvenile as that sounds like it's awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. And seeing having like that minor connection with like, oh Takahashi was probably doing it like this, like seeing the brushwork, seeing the mm-hmm. strokes in the art and some of the paintings. Yeah. there's something like infinitely cool about that
3: mm-hmm. yeah it feels I more like tangible
0: mm-hmm. yeah i do like it and i imagine it would look different on paper versus digital like the original whatever the original paperback was that's true yeah
1: yeah it was beautiful so, <laughs> did yeah. you, were you uh did you find that you liked the episodic nature of it uh chipped or did you want there to be a more sustained narrative with the characters
3: i think there was a sustained narrative like that's the thing. like even though it was you know episodic, like the relationships between the characters grew and your understanding of them grew. so it still felt like one full story w- with the smaller stories kind of spread throughout. I-, I thought it was a really fascinating way to do it. Like what i'm what I'm taking from the books that we've read so far is uh, is all kind of towards my career, and like this is a great example of like, oh, why wouldn't I just do like a whole arc? That's like a story set in a different time. And then the next arc is a story in another time, but we still have Ooh. the same characters. Like I'm in my mind. I'm already lifting from these. Right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Greatly. Like I was, Oh, but yesterday I was like, this is a weird thing to mention on manga podcast. I should save it for Miami vice podcast, but um, I was watching the, uh, in the air tonight scene from Miami vice from the pilot mm-hmm. episode which is a very lush, long, quiet, um, scene really set well to the music. I don't know if any of you are familiar with it. Yeah. For uh, sure yeah, it's, it's, it's a gorgeous scene and it's so luxurious in the time that it takes. And I was talking to other, um, North American comic creators about that and how I've just got, kind of, I've had this feeling lately that I just want to like do a comic like that, which is like silence where you're just kind of moving through and just about the beauty of the scene. And, and, uh, and one of them pointed out, he's like, You've been doing that manga podcast lately, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, of course. I just you know, we just reviewed Akira, which has like these beautiful, lush, big shots and you know, taking your time with stuff and yeah. 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 And that's so this awesome. is affecting me too in, in a in a different way.
0: Hmm. I think that happens to a lot of creators. I think that's why so many people got into manga. Like, like my intro, introduction to manga was through my uncle who was an artist. Like he was not like professional, but like he gave me comics, were really dope, and it just kind of carried on in my life. And he liked it because it was something not like what he grew up on. Yeah, it's like you know, you know the Mar- you know the Jack Kirby language really well, but now it's like Rumiko Takahashi dialect. Like, what is that like? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. what kind of like artist it? was your uncle? Different than even. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Uh, like he moved into graphic design, but in high school, like he drew image
1: style. Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like a little Willis Portacio, maybe. I gotta right. see if there's any pages left. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like when you see something that's really dope, you're like, "This is really good. How can I make this work for me?" Yeah. Even like not n- not being an artist myself, like I'm always looking for something to steal, like in prose or in approach and tone. Yeah. Because um, in another universe, these are just like a Wolverine mini series of him through the
1: years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Yeah, right. <laughs> so when yeah, I went off on my tangent about like, all the different artists that I felt like I was seeing a little bit of in Rumiko Takahashi's work, that's, yeah, that is a little obtuse, but you've read three manga now. This is the third, this is our third episode, or, well, three, third and a half. I, I've read three manga. <laughs> <laughs> Just look at me. <laughs> Pretty good. But three, yeah, you've read, like, I don't know, I think we've read 600 pages of manga uh, so yeah. far. So, do you, do you see more similarities between these works that we've read, these three works that you've read, or more differences between these three works that, you've, that we've read? Like, I think David made a really good point about, like, Rumiko Takahashi is a dialect of comics, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, like, you know, you could say that about uh, Kui-sensei or, or Otomo-sensei as well, but, like, do they feel like they're part of a unit? Like, is this just, this is what Japanese comics are to you?
3: um not really i mean the similarities are just the fact that they're you know telling their own stories in a longish format Mm. which you know sounds like well isn't that stories but having grown up in marvel and dc stuff um no (laughs) (laughs) you know um there wasn't a lot when i was growing up that had that feel uh um you know it's different now with you know publishers like 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 Image uh, and Oni, you know, doing their own thing, not these shared universe to be turned into these shared universe movies. R.I.P. Bloodshot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's cold. So it, it, it's fascinating to me to see creators maybe doing things like, I, I think the last two books felt like they're doing things that aren't necessarily going to be their life's work. But they're still really long and, and you know, well thought out, fun and interesting stories. Like Mermaid Saga, it feels like a detour for an artist. Like, oh, I'm going to do a, oh, it's kind of a horror story, but I'm just kind of like making up some stuff about mermaids as I go along. Huh. <laughs> you know, like, oh, all of a sudden Mermaid Ashes does this, and oh, guess what? Also, mermaids bite humans, and this thing happens to them, and like... Um, like kind of creating a mythology uh, um as she goes. Mm.
0: I like, the part where someone's like, Some mermaids have fins, some mermaids have two legs. I was like, Then which was the mermaid part?
3: <laughs> like, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> their insides are all fish. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean you you can make up all kinds of things about mermaids, right? Like in one piece, like the mermaids out after a certain age grow legs. Yeah. Right? And then they look like they look like old ladies. <laughs> so,
3: so wait, uh, are mermaids like uh, uh, a big part of manga, if it's, uh, if it's
0: also like in One Piece? The immortality it's- thing is an actual, like, it's folklore, mm-hmm. uh, where you eat the flesh of a mermaid, it gives you immortality. And I think because of that, it's made it into a lot of different manga.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: But also One Piece has have fishmen that are like <laughs> human bodies.
2: Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're, they're pirates, they're in the ocean, so mermaids are a yeah. part of it. Yeah. But I don't think there's mermaids in a lot of manga. Okay. It's it just kind of, I think, I thought that was really funny, about it's like, I thought about how Japanese people have a different relationship with fish than American people do. Mm-hmm. Like, like, everything is delicious to them, right? They mm-hmm. can, I mean, if you've ever watched Iron Chef, half of the episodes are about different kinds of fish. So, like, yeah. I heard this joke once that someone said, oh, you know, in Japanese people go to the aquarium, they look and they think, oh, I wonder what that one tastes like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we went to, the first time we went to Japan, we went to the, uh, there was an aquarium in Ikebukuro, and we went to it. And it was children's drawings up on the wall, and the prevailing theme of these children's drawings was, like, we are going to eat all of these fish. <laughs> 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 like cat eating the fish and you're like okay I kind of get it and it's like just a beautiful fish but it's on like a metal grill uh, with fire under it and you're going to grill this fish and it was just like yeah so the idea of I don't know it seems it's never presented as disgusting that you're going to eat this mermaid
2: exactly mean, with this, mermaid, <laughs> this, dead, this dead headless mermaid like it's been apparently sta- like rotting there for like hundreds of years and they go I'm going to eat it it's like oh. <laughs> Yeah, I've, not had, worth it. I've had, I've had Not, not, not is no big deal. I've had that rotten shark. Oh, and you had the shark head? Oh, no yeah, way. it's, it's horrible! Uh,
3: <laughs> oh, rotten shark,
0: rotten it's, shark. Honestly, there's no hyperbole in that uh, explanation.
2: It really wow. is. It's putrid. <laughs> I was the only one in my tour tour party who ate it, and everyone took great joy in filming me making faces. It was horrible.
0: But oh, the mermaid yeah. thing does remind me. Of, this this book made me realize that immortality is often seen as a curse in manga and i think a lot of japanese pop culture uh, i'm playing this video game sekiro which has an immortal character and he's like the immortal was great until i got killed a bunch of times and now i just want to die and like get out of this horrible cycle that i'm trapped in and there's a lot of that in mermaid saga as well where like immortality kind of ruins your life
3: yeah yeah and like but yeah there's still half the
1: characters are trying to get it yeah <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. right right
1: Um, I I thought it was kind of funny that it was like, oh, I'm immortal and I've been looking 500 years. I've been, like, wandering Japan looking for mermaids and I've never met anyone like me. And in the span of 250 pages, he meets, like, eight people like him. (laughs) It's just like, that manga wasn't about those first 500 years. That would have been a different manga.
3: Yeah, eight eight people like him and
1: just mermaids showing up all over the place. There's so many mermaids. There's one that's very far inland, like, nailed to a wall and a a cave under a tree. That was
3: anyway. such a good moment. Like, I, you know, I'm spoiling it for anyone reading it, but Spoilers. you know, I, I, I mentioned earlier, just like how often I was surprised in this, mm-hmm. and that was a surprise too. When they finally go up to it, and it turns around and takes a bite. Yeah. <laughs> I, I should have guessed. Like half of these, I'm just like, I don't know. Sometimes you see um, uh, twists and surprises in stories where it, it's, it's clearly just the author, just like. Trying to surprise you, but it takes several leaps of logic to get there, and you just mm-hmm. kind of roll really your eyes at it. These are the ones where, and it would happen every couple of pages. Like it's it's quite a, a, astounding how often she manages to surprise you. Uh, yeah. And every time it happens, I'm just like, oh, of course.
2: Yeah. <laughs> See, that's really oh, nice. Oh, for of course, she he turns out
3: to be a mermaid. Oh, of course, you know the, they weren't actually dead. Like oh, like even even the moment when um, what was it? Mana kills Asago. Is that her name? The oh, pirate lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like, no, like there are two shocking things. One, when Asago stabs her dad. And it's mm-hmm. like, I guess you better find the mermaid now. Fucker. <laughs> that was so good. I, I know. Like it was, it was like, I was like, Oh my God. And then like the next page, Mana just like kills her. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh my God. And then it turns out she's not dead. I'm like, Oh my God. Like that's three oh my God's in a row. Yeah. And, like, how could I not see those coming based on what had happened before? But really, really impressive storytelling.
1: That, I'm so glad to hear popular. that. Yeah, it
3: was so it's hard for surprised. me
2: to have a fresh take on it because I've read it so much.
3: Yeah, it'd be, I think it would be weird to reread it. Like, I think so much of this is the freshness in discovering the mythologies mm-hmm. and and the surprises. Like, like the first uh, story alone... Like with the with the old ladies, and you they find out they they all look exactly the same, like all, all these weird little levels, and then he dies but he's not dead. I'm like, what? What kind of what this is a mermaid story? What's going on? Like there's there's a lot just crammed in there that I don't know I don't know how it would reread, you know?
0: Mm. The one that got me like that was with the two sisters, the twins, where one oh, maybe and then oh the other one was like, "I'm going to stay alive until I can make you immortal in revenge." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> that was quite a twist. <laughs> but so good. <laughs>
3: I know they're like there were three twists to lead up to that twist too. Yeah, it's like uh, mind-boggling.
1: Yeah, I will, I will say I 100% agree with you. Those surprises were my favorite part. Like I was yeah. sitting reading next to Andrew, and every once in a while, be like, "Holy fuck!" Uh, <laughs> and he'd be like, "What?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's the it's the book." And he's just like, like. it's simple stuff too, like you're talking about oh there's this monster in the forest big eyes we call him and you finally get your first shot of him, his first shot, he's like literally just pulling the head off a boar like straight up and you're just like what the fuck Uh, it's so shocking Uh, the things that happen that are shocking are legitimately like shocking, Uh, all the twists and turns, uh, the big surprise at the end of the one after it turns out you know, she didn't get stabbed by the sword after all, like that was just like Oh my like yeah, the real surprise stuff was good, but for me it was the the fact that the underlying stuff I didn't feel as much attachment for me or attachment to the characters. Mm. I felt like they weren't ciphers exactly, but they were definitely like she had a folk tale she wanted to tell, and she had her characters that you were on board with as the protagonists of the story. So I was I really enjoyed as I was reading it, but as I was done, I was like, I don't need to ever read anything with these characters again, but man, I could go for some like Ranma or some uh, cross game or something like that right now. Oh. Uh, but yeah, by,
3: by, by the end of it, I was, uh, I was invested in Utah and mana and relationship. Mm-hmm. the relationship, not as a romantic relationship, but just like how they kind of like how he was like, Oh, you, you kind of like me by the end. Yeah. <laughs> like we went through all that to get to you kind of like me. <laughs> like, no, no, not really. Like, um i i do want to see what happens with those characters mm-hmm. and and Utah's character really only kind of came into focus at the end with uh Nay like that whole story and meeting the meeting in the cherry fields or whatever mm-hmm. that was a really elegantly um drawn and told scene mm-hmm. at the end with them it's funny to so you go through the whole book and like basically that last story was like the one that made me go okay yeah i would i would want to Check out volume
0: two, <laughs> and I, that's another one that's full of wild twists. <laughs> from yeah. uh, the kid, like I love the drawing of Sokichiro, the kid with the uh, unibrow,
3: the <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, Kichiro>,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> child and an adult, and like Takahashi yeah. is so good at that kind of thing. <laughs>
2: yeah, really, you could immediately tell that the kid that was the, that was that character as a kid.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. was oh, really perfect. Cute. Just an old man kid. (laughs) Just always funny. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Very extremely well done. Like, um, I would be perfectly happy if the rest of the books that we read were Takahashi books. There's
0: (laughs) enough to where we could make that happen.
1: (laughs) Uh, Actually, I want. a bit, one more question about art, because this is something. I So, disclosure: I used to work for Viz for a little bit. A thing I would hear a lot is not specifically about Takahashi Sensei, but anything that was older than even like five, maybe ten years, we would get back. Oh, the arts, the art looks old. The art looks old, and so we're not, we can't license it, or it's more difficult, or the audience won't, you know, gravitate to it. Did you feel? at any point, like, this was a product of a different time? Like, could this have been a contemporary manga for you? Did it feel did it feel out of place? Well, disclaimer, I'm going to work for Viz in the future. But, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know, let's just all say we work for Viz. Yeah. I, I don't instantly recognize it as being dated or of a time, mm. but it's because I don't have a lot of experience. But as soon as you say it, I'm just like, okay, yes, because I do recall seeing more current manga and being like, it is... There's, there's definitely a different style that's uh that's that's in in current stories but mm. yeah i mean for for an older an older reader like myself like the the datedness of this doesn't bother me at all because it's not like it's dated in a pop culture way it's not like i'm like oh they're wearing their hair like that like everyone's got <laughs> mullets or something because it's the 80s like it, there's not there's not that kind of dated quality to it you know
1: mm.
0: I think it's kind of like, like Alan Davis basically draws the same way today as he did 30 years ago Mm -hmm. and like technically that's dated in the sense of being old, but it's also kind of timeless. Like there's something Mm -hmm. about the execution, the approach, um, like the foundation and the storytelling that makes it, it doesn't necessarily feel modern, but it doesn't feel old. Mm -hmm. Like,
3: like classic or something like that,
0: like a a hipster term for old, I guess.
3: Yeah, because Davis isn't using kind of tricks that are of a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, it like Liefeld looks dated, mm-hmm. you know, even though they may have been, I mean, Davis was before Liefeld, but still, like, I um, artist mm-hmm. like, Liefeld, like, their their style, like, really relies on what's happening at the moment. And, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't really advance. So now you look at it like, oh, yeah, it looks like the 90s.
2: Yes, Whereas Davis yeah.
3: just looks like Davis, Alan Davis, mm-hmm. which is a different thing. I think
1: her art is so good. Uh, yeah. I asked that cause I, I was reminded reading this a couple of times. We already mentioned the color pages, but I was reminded reading this so much. Like I love her art. Like I love the art. that are detailed and beautiful. I like her fight scenes, her choreography, like her timing, like choosing what panels to use when really love it. And I, I think I'm biased like I think i can't see i think i can't see some of the problems or or some of the datedness with it because she was such a gateway drug you know for me in comics i think she I think she was one of the first manga I actually read I remember like her work would appear in the manga vision, which was a uh a, a print anthology like a, a, a Biz did for a while. And I think it actually had some of this, you know, single issues you would see in quarter bins or or things like that. So yeah, for me, I can't, I know I have a, a block there, but I was just taken like, even the cover is so mine's a little scuffed up, but so pretty, like, <laughs> like, like, like pretty, pretty. But then sometimes you get like an image and it's like so pretty, but it's like, you know, lovers embrace, but they're also covered in blood. Uh, <laughs> I don't <laughs> see the problem.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Deb, Chris, and I told our Takahashi secret origins. What was your introduction to her work?
2: Mm, kind of the same thing. I mean, uh, they had the single sloppy issues hmm. that you could get at the comic store. I, I wasn't really. I didn't really watch the anime so much, but I loved the manga, uh, the Ranma manga. Mm-hmm. I mean, to this day, like when they reprinted Ranma and I and I reread it, it still makes me laugh out loud. Yeah. yeah. I mean the, the comedy is just just perfect um, I love her work I love her work in the sense that she's she does work for boys magazines like shown magazines and um, but at the same time there's there's a certain feminine quality to it a feminine quality to um, this how she tells stories and how she depicts characters um, it's hard to kind of put your finger on it because you know, Having a female creator draw for a boy's magazine is not uncommon. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I remember when I, as I was growing up and I was someone who who was interested in making comics, that it was so so lovely to see and how natural it was that it was a a female creator who was so successful. Mm -hmm. Um, To the point that I took it for granted. Yeah, Um, yeah, (laughs) And then when I got, you know, I went to Comic Con for the first time in '92, and I was like, "Oh, (laughs) well, yeah, this is not the this is not the paradise I was advertised." (laughs) (laughs) And it has all changed now. You know, I mean, there's of course, you know, one of the best-selling comics creators in 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 America now. This is a woman,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and a lot of the a lot of comic creators now are. It's pretty good. I'd say it's close to fifty-fifty
3: 50 now. Yeah, but none of them have $70 million to do <laughs> their work, right? Uh,
2: well, at least we have something to shoot for, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that feminine quality you mentioned, is something else that struck me reading this, because there was a line where uh, I think a girl is a girl, and then everything else Mana did in that story was like stabbing people, running off, <laughs> codes. Yeah. like codes. She very much pushes against, like she'll do the gender norms thing, but also the very sweet petite lady is gonna be like very crude or violent or something like that. Yeah. And it's so nice. Like Akane Tendo from Rama One Half. Yeah. There's a part where her sister Nabiki is like, oh she's a very nice girl. She's just horribly violent sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that is such a perfect description for a character.
2: That sounds like one of those yeah. those quotes that you would put under your yearbook photo.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
3: <laughs>
0: I love that. There's I wish I
2: thought of that. <laughs>
3: Also, I mean there's there's nudity in this. Mm-hmm. But the but the bodies feel more genuine.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like they're not fantasies of a body. Yeah. Does that make sense? And even like um uh I keep forgetting the name the uh the the main pirate lady. Isago. Uh, Isago, Isago, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um like her introduction, she has the look that she's the dangerous femme fatale. Mhm but not sexualized in any way which is so rare when you have a character like that cuz usually you have a character like that like all right like really since the ways like have her kind of s- slide into the scene well i've got a I've got a shot here of her in like in the rain like holding her sword and it's just like it's almost like film noir but she's not a seductress at all yeah like she's there with her sword like shit's going to get real yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's, it's weird to recognize when you're reading something like this that I don't trip over it, but I notice it. And the only reason I notice it is because it's never done that way in oh, North American comics, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Like, there's... Is it Malice that's the necklace that women wear that makes them evil in X-Men comics? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like how she also changes their clothes to be, like, leather
3: bondage here. Yeah, Chris Claremont uh, fantasies. Uh, <laughs> Claremont fantasy necklace.
2: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: There was another yeah. one where she has this very upper class, like elite, feminine look, but then she's like, "Yeah, I waited three years to murder this guy because he killed my husband, and now I'm yeah. going to have dolphin ba- or mermaid babies." <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, so good.
0: Yeah. It's so it's
2: matter good. of fact. Yeah. The, the, they're who they are as characters is like. It's not like, you know, they're they're to look sexy. They're just kind they're very matter-of-factly women who have, (laughs) they're interesting. uh,
3: There's also, uh, over the story, there were two almost sexual assaults. Yes. But um, unlike, say, Watchmen, you know, they don't don't hit a certain point. There's basically a couple guys like, yeah, you know what? I think I might do something to you. And then immediately they're dead, or it's all disrupted. Like there's there's the threat of it, but it's not so much so that it's um, that it's a, well, it's a, not a problem. That it, it's not gratuitous, and it's not like yeah,
1: you know, to like
3: prove a point or something, and and you know, it, turning into a revenge fantasy thing.
1: So weird because this is rated older teen, and it was the surprise violence, <laughs> like the intent surprise <laughs> violence that would happen, as well as the sexual assaults and the boobs and, and all of the, the nudity and things like that. And I was like, this has got to be one of her series that ran in like one of the older magazines, because she did work for an older magazine, um, Big Comic Spirits and Big Comics, which were saying it, like older, older men's manga, um, as well as uh, Shonen Sunday. Which is like a, a shonen, like boys' adventure action. This ran. This was a shonen manga. This like this ran alongside stuff like uh, Case Closed uh, or or things like that. Like real, like like this. The intended audience for this magazine is twelve, and you're like. Whoa, like that's intense. And if we ever get to uh, Umezu, it'll get even crazier when you when I tell you what the intended audience was for some of his work. But yeah, the fact that this book, which is like older teen, which is like sixteen plus, I think, with the North American rating, was like, ran in a book for like ten to twelve year olds that would buy it with their weekly pocket money. <laughs> Fucking crazy. I would have loved this if I was twelve. Oh my god, right? Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and like it's it's one of those things, I mean, this is a totally different rant, but like if I'm, you know, 12 reading this, like, it's not damaging me in any way, really. Mm. Like, you know, there's horror, there's violence. The violence isn't that bad. It's something not worse than any kind of TV show or movies that you might, you know.
1: There's a lot of beheadings.
3: There's a lot of beheadings. There's a lot of beheadings, but the, the, the cartoony nature of it, mm. I, I think, offsets that a lot. Like, mm. if this was, like, a realistic-looking manga... It might hit a little differently. But it kinda of, you know, as a kid it would give you the thrill of seeing something kind of like quote unquote extreme yeah. without actually the damage of the extremity of it, you know? It's I don't know. I weird. I mean I I yeah. My favorite memories are of sneaking into R rated movies as a kid and like getting the stuff that you're not supposed to have. And this seems tamer than those. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. true. I mean,
2: Goosebumps is really popular with that age group, right? I mean, uh, I yeah,
3: and Goosebumps is just tits all over the place, <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's Ronny Lude Stein, right?
0: That's the uh, guy who does it.
3: Uh, oh, that was pretty good, off the top of your head. I'm
0: thank
1: you. Me, uh, nice.
3: <laughs> yeah, you think about Goosebumps, right? <laughs> <laughs> You'll need the video. <laughs> Listeners go to the video for the visual.
0: <laughs> Mentioning the fight scenes. It's funny, I actually don't think of Takahashi as a person who's really good at fight scenes. Mm. I think she's so good at melodrama it doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, when I think fight scene, I want like the back and forth, like some give and take. But in this one, like when Isago gets, you know, like quote unquote killed, it's like one sword slash and yeah. then the person's running away and she's already dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Which is a very samurai movie kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: it's not necessarily yeah, yeah. choreography, but it feels like what that scene feels like in other media. So it still feels like exciting and correct. Mm-hmm. Well, I think if she'd done the type of action scenes that I prefer, it would feel a lot more violent.
1: Yeah, you know, is there is that a product of the time though? the kinds of action scenes you're talking about, was there anything that was contemporaneous with this, like, in the early 90s? Uh,
0: Toriyama in Dragon Ball, actually. There's a point where his action scenes go from Takahashi style, like, kind of more uh, dramatic, to, like, kung fu. Okay. Uh, I think it's during the Goku and Krillin fight in the first run of Dragon Ball. And it feels like an actual, like, level up. Like, it was good, and now, like, oh, crap, it's great. You know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that tournament arc... You're talking about the first tournament arc, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's... uh... That's interesting, interesting because I feel like, I don't know, even martial arts manga like *This to the North Star* and stuff didn't have a lot of that in my readings of it. Like, no, there it might be difficult. like a, a movement or something, but it would be like one panel, right? And yeah. that like, dude would explode. It was more, it was less about intricate fight choreography and more about like just the most badass dude doing one badass thing, and that mm-hmm. was kind of that. And I think that's changed a lot in manga. I mean, people are losing their minds about Jujutsu Kaisen, Jujutsu Kaisen now, and the fight scenes in the anime and stuff. Sorry, yeah. I'm getting way <laughs> track. But yeah, I think, I think that's very different. Like, I think she was yeah. in a different time and it might be different now.
0: And different storytelling mode too, I think. Like there's a 400 page fight scene in Vagabond. One guy gets 80 guys and like he goes through the entire crew it is like it it was so good that like i didn't read comics for a week afterward i was like i just need a <laughs> break <you know? laughs> but that's like right. a certain type of story going for a certain type of effect but what she's doing with horror like the point isn't necessarily the violence it's like the emotional trauma like the yeah. trials and travails mm-hmm. and things
3: like that yeah. And also horror is generally about the the shock and the immediacy of violence. Mm-hmm. So fact that like a lot of the violence in this is just like one slice or one stab or whatever. Like, yeah. I, think that, I think that plays well to horror strengths. For
2: sure. And there's a certain, I think we are talking about it that um, I think John Ciccala said this, coined this term, but come up in theater. Mm. Where, you know, the, and this happens in Cat Eye Boy and this happens in certain types of horror where it's like people really bad people end up in a very bad way
3: yeah yeah and that's kind of satisfying it's a it's very satisfying satisfying. (laughs) i love it in real life too
2: (laughs) not only gate stop you know bankrupting a bunch of hedge funders i kind of love that too
0: (laughs) man was that you said this was called mermaid forest at first or was it like mermaid saga and then mermaid forest was like a separate
1: thing So the titles in the chapter page are um, some of the things that it was called. It was called different things in in English at different times Mm -hmm. as well. Um, But people use Mermaid Saga and Mermaid Forest because that's what the OVAs, the original video animations that were made of this series, adapted. That's what those were called. So uh, Mermaid Forest, the two-chapter story in here, uh, was one of the ones they adapted, as well as um, I think the first one with Mana they they adapted as well. But uh, I haven't seen those. I think they're still online, like or not online a lot, but like Crunchyroll or something. I think they're still available. Yeah. I would be curious to see what they did with the character designs and stuff. I remember them being really tight. I have a funny story about the anime too, but uh, but yeah, I think that it's 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 it was called different things. It was like Mermaid Saga, Mermaid Forest. Mermaid Saga One and Two, and Mermaid Forest One and Two, maybe. But now yeah. it's just Mermaid Saga. Oh, we didn't mention while we're recording this, the second volume is not out yet in this edition. But uh, it probably will be out by the time this episode actually gets it to viewers' hands. It's coming out February sixteenth. So well,
3: that's that's good. This is a great advertisement for Viz, yeah. who yeah. has employed two of you. So <laughs> weird. It's almost like that was planned. <laughs> it's,
0: uh, it's
2: a beautiful edition. It's worth getting. It's it's a good value. It's it's nice and thick. It's like twenty five bucks for this, like basically double size volume. Yeah. But also that it's it is available in comicsology too. If you don't want to get more. Stuff on your shelf, yeah, but it is nicely done, it has the French flaps, <laughs> the color pages. I think it's worth getting, even if you're like me and you had the old version before. Mm. I found it worthwhile to get it.
3: God, we get it. Go buy this <laughs> product. <laughs> <laughs> I uh,
0: I looked it up, and the name in Japanese just kind of translates literally to mermaid series, which is kind of uh, funny.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, like Saga my, has you like, mean
2: Monogatari or something like that.
0: Uh, no, it's like Shirishu. Like in hey,
2: company,
0: Yeah. <laughs> and like Saga works better than Series, even though it kind of means the same thing.
2: Maybe, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But mermaid-
3: well, saga, saga has an epic feel to it. Yeah, Series is just like Series kind of makes it seem mundane. Here's a bunch of Mermaid <laughs> stuff I thought of. Yeah. Great title. Here's a bunch of Mermaid stuff I thought of. <laughs> Miko Takahashi. Yeah.
0: So 80 million copies. <laughs> yeah.
3: Seventy million dollars she's worth. I looked it up. Frank Miller's worth twenty-five million dollars. Wow.
2: And that's movies.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just a lot of DC money
0: there, but yeah. Yeah. Uh Takahashi also has probably the coolest picture for any comic creator. Maybe second coolest of her wearing a Def Gem sweatshirt in the nineties.
2: What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's super cute.
3: I on that. right now. I know that's not really good to podcast etiquette, yeah. but
0: the only know. one better is the. uh I think there's one of the Sailor Moon creator laying on a Porsche or a Lamborghini or something like that.
3: <laughs> Those are the days. Yeah, it's like oh my god, she's she's wearing a Def Jam a uh, sweatshirt and she's like fifty here. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not even, I thought you meant like it was like a young shot of her in like eighty one or something, but yeah, oh, no, she's that cool. She's that cool.
2: Oh. And we are back with Mangus Pelini. We had a really nice little chat about Mermaid Saga, but maybe let's sum up and see what we all think about it. So, Chris, what's your final thoughts on Mermaid Saga?
1: I think, like I said, I really liked it. I really liked it a lot, um, but it did make me nostalgic for books I remember liking more when I read them, uh, both by Takahashi and her, like, senpai, Adachi. Uh, I'd wanna go back and read more Rimoko Takahashi now. And I think that that's great. I'd never read Mermaid Saga before and like I just read little bits and pieces here and there. Really glad I read it. I actually wanna read volume two to see if it gets any kind of conclusion or if it's just and they walked Japan forever. So I'm excited about I'm excited about volume two coming soon and I do wanna I do wanna read that. So yeah, I think it's it's not something I would have chosen. I thought our first horror manga would definitely have been Jinjito, but I think it's a really good recommendation. For people who don't uh, who don't read a lot of manga, so
2: good call. it. I like this one a lot? Thank you, and David, what did you think?
0: I think if you walk around Japan for 500 years, Japan is not that big, so it should be really easy to find the mermaid <laughs> that you were looking for. <laughs> but my take away, okay. <laughs> But no, it was really good. Like she's always a pleasure to read, um, and like Chris was saying, this made me want to read more Takahashi. You know, like I've got Ranma, I've got a lot of Inuyasha. But I feel like the best thing a comic can do for me is when I finish it, wanting more, but then also wanting more of similar things. Like I want to see more immortality stories now. I wanna, you know, spend more time thinking about how immortality is portrayed in this story, how it's kind of a curse that everyone wants, but no one keeps no one realizes it's a curse until it's too late. I don't know, it's just really good. It's really interesting. So yeah, I'm into it.
2: I was really happy to re- reread this again. Like I said, it's been several years since I've read it. So it was a l- some of it was familiar, when some, but um, I'm looking forward to reading volume two because I actually don't remember how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. That's very gratifying. And Chip?
3: I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Um, and, and not only enjoyed it, but enjoyed it right from the, the get-go. There wasn't like 100 pages of me just kind of like, all right, when's it going to kick in? Like it kicks in so quickly. Mm. She's clearly a master at carrying the reader along uh, and, and keeping them interested from from page to page. It, it's so funny. We didn't even talk about the horror aspects of this horror manga because the horror stuff doesn't really, I mean, it didn't scare me. You know, there's some kind of gross things here and there, but that didn't feel like it, her strength in, in this, you know, the strength is in the surprises and the, the, the twists. Yeah, I loved it, and, and much like everyone else, I want to read more of her work. It's unanimous, we killed it. Yeah, wow. So, uh, so uh, the okay. big question is, uh, what's next? What do we do next? next?
2: Let's see. How about let's start with David? Let's what David? What's your recommendation?
0: I'm going to go left field again. I've got a rep for liking violent, tough guy comics. Word yes. so. <laughs> on the street, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to recommend wave listen to me by hiroaki samura who oh. did uh play to the immortal which was like a super violent samurai book this one is about a lady who gets drunk and gets a job at a radio station and immediately gets <laughs> in over her head um, <laughs> the short version is that a woman breaks up with her boyfriend and a lot of things happen and she ends up live on the radio basically cursing him out and the radio producer is like oh we've got to make this a thing and it's sort of them trying to get her into the biz and her kind of being reckless and dumb and really funny mm. is is it a, so is it a comedy uh yeah comedy drama comedy i would say kind of like a relationship comedy relationship slash work, workplace comedy i suppose
3: you know my main manga question how long is it
0: there are several volumes but i think volume 1 is a good intro and i think the 5th volume just came out or is out very soon
3: okay
1: awesome that actually it's set in hokkaido
2: where, where we went to visit Oh it nice? yeah! <laughs> uh,
1: it, there's a. I think there's a live. Is there a live action anim- adaptation of that one yet? I think that there.
2: No, there's an anime.
1: There's oh, there's the anime on that one. Okay, and mm-hmm. it just won a bunch of awards in France. It's been it's been out in France in print for a lot longer than it has been here. So, mm-hmm. uh, one of the ones I wanted to read. That's so awesome. I think that that's a good choice.
0: It's sort uh, of like if Garth Ennis did a Sesame Street comic after he finished Preacher. <laughs>
1: So, so, Chris, are you just going to rescind whatever you're about to suggest? Now? No, I'm selfish. I have a selfish request. I actually want to reread something uh, Deb inspired me with enjoying rereading Mermaid Saga. I want to reread my favorite shoujo comic, it, it, which is called uh, Paradise Kiss.
3: Ooh.
1: And uh, this is the Tokyo Pop edition. It's, it's now available as a one-volume edition, so that counts, even though it originally came out as five uh, slim volumes. And it's, uh, so yeah, um, the, uh, I'm old. Uh, and so when, when I was growing up and reading manga, we all thought that Rumiko Takahashi's work counted as shoujo manga, as girls' comics, because she was a woman. We didn't realize that it was like, no, it's shounen. And when this was released originally, when Mermaid Saga was released, there were there was almost no shoujo released in English at that point. There was like one book of short stories that was it. Like real girls' comics took... Forever. And, you know, credit where due to Tokyo Pop for bringing out actual shoujo comics. So I thought I'd been reading shoujo comics all these times just because a woman made it. That's not how it works, thankfully. <laughs> so when I actually started to get into shoujo, I actually really liked it. It was very different. It has a very different visual language than shōnen manga. And then seinen manga even. And um, next week we're going to read our first Jose book. Next week is uh, Helter Skelter, next episode, sorry. And it's uh, it's really, really good. But I realized we hadn't actually given chip an actual shoujo manga to read first which was maybe a mistake so i don't know we'll see helter skelter just it just reads like a graphic novel that could have been produced in the west almost so i think it'll be good but i really like let me just say you haven't done a job at all of selling me this book yet all right so that was my (laughs) selfish reason for wanting to i it's my favorite and i read it and it killed me when i read it like i cried at the ending it was so good it is about a sort of a feckless young woman who doesn't really care about anything in in high school or university trying to figure out what she's going to do with her life and she falls in with a group of misfits who are fashion students and it's very transgressive not only for japan at the time but even now there's like a trans character the lead character is like a bisexual who fucks everything that moves there's all kinds of like punk and it's like a little bit bowie a little bit velvet gold Mine-y. It has so much going on for a shoujo manga, but at its core, it's like a. I love him, but he's a piece of shit. Like, what do I do as, like, a girl <laughs> comic? And it really harkens back to romance comics, which I have some affection for, like, North American romance comics as well. But is so much more mature and deals with some really heavy shit. I think it's great. And this, that the creator of Paradise Kiss, uh, Ayazawa, also did a series called Nana, which is also very long and very unfinished, unfortunately. So I can't recommend that one. But I actually kind of like Paradise Kiss better. So, yeah, it's my favorite shoujo. And it's literally unlike anything we've read uh, and are likely to read for a little while. And I think that that's, it has lots recommended on that front. Okay. Deb? Deb?
2: Well, let's see. I don't know if I, did I, I don't know if I mentioned it, um, but I was going to recommend Real by Takikiko Inouye. Real is about, You know, I did Vagabond, and he also did Slam Dunk. And this uh, Slam Dunk was a manga about basketball. What Real is, is Real is a manga about, people who play wheelchair basketball mm. and it's interesting because it kind of follows the story of, um, these uh, young men who for some reason or another can no longer play regular basketball. Like they, it's cancer, they, their uh, leg gets amputated and so on. And they find, they discover the sport and you can see the, um, the passion of, for the sport. And also you can see the pain that comes with going to rehab, um, the pain of the family and how, um, This tragedy of, you know, their circumstances affects the family and all their relationships. Taki is an amazing, amazing artist. Like, I don't think there's anyone quite as good a draftsman as he is, as well as a good visual storyteller. You can kind of, the way that he draws people and action, you can feel the weight of the body. Mm. You can feel how painful it is for these people to get up on the chair, how painful it, you know. You can feel their the real, the real struggle. And that's, that's kind of it. And the, the way that he tells a story is very, it sucks you in. It's not the same. It's, it doesn't give you easy answers. It doesn't give you easy, happy endings. It feels very real. But, it, you know, there's also lots of, uh, there's moments of lightness and, and, and charm and humor. It's just a, an interesting and complex story. Uh, it's kind of slice of life. But I think it, it it it's full of compassion. Yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful it's beautiful to look at and interesting to read because it's not as high drama as what we've been showing you before.
1: I will say the art will make you upset at yourself. Uh, the art is so good. <laughs> is so Are you trying to get me to not pick it or to pick it? <laughs> I'm just saying you're going to read this and be like, "Fuck this guy, he's too fucking good." Throw I don't, it I don't want you. that feeling. You're right, Chris. Um. <laughs> Now, uh, see, this
3: is the problem with me having to choose, because I actually do want to read all three of these. Mm. So, mm. I don't know, maybe we do this in a way where, like, this just determines the order we read them. Mm. Because I don't want to disappoint Chris and Deb, okay. <laughs> but Garth is writing Sesame Street... Sounds good. David, David wins. <laughs> I found my uh, there, uh, we go. Yeah, like, <laughs> there we go. You know what? I don't even think this is about the books. It's just David knew how to sell the book.
2: David is an amazing shelf talker. Yes.
3: David and I have worked together at Image. And like, you know, watching David on a panel, the way he navigates and and sells us to the audience, and the audience to us. Like, he's very good at this. And uh, the two of you have to step up your game if you're going up against people David. <laughs> <Brothers>. <laughs> I feel
2: that like every year at the best worst manga panel,
1: honestly, <laughs> um, I get so much trouble with those guys All right, sixth so is wave. Listen that's to me. Uh, is that that's what it's called, right?
0: Yeah, wave, comma. Listen
1: yeah. to me. All right, uh, we have a uh, so. For our listeners, next week we have Helter Skelter. Uh, the week after that is What the Font. And the week after that, Wave Listen to Me, which is very exciting. Great. Do you want to do shout-outs, Deb? Have you got shout-outs? Is something you want to shout-out? Something you love?
2: Hmm, I think this is the only thing I have worth shouting out. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's, I'm not really doing anything else um, manga-wise. Hmm. Um, thank God. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, I guess there's. Um, I, I will say that I I just started reading something on Comixology Unlimited called F. It's a manga about uh, Formula One racing, and it is an old school shonen manga. There's lots of nudity and gratuitous rapes <laughs> and uh, <laughs> poop. It's, it's, I feel it, like, well, it's I feel like it's
3: it's any, any rapes are gratuitous rapes, but that's just me.
2: <laughs> it's, it's, an, it's an incredibly old school seinen manga. And, yeah. and and every moment, every minute I'm reading, I'm thinking, I, I hate myself because it is so repulsive. And yet mm-hmm. I'm 15 volumes in binge reading it. Jeez. Go we'll figure.
0: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> is it just like the, the letter just F? Just the
2: letter F. Hmm. Check it out it's it's it'll make it'll make you realize how different Sein and manga is now.
1: Yeah, uh, I can't believe Fist of used to be shown in manga. That's kind of crazy.
2: I know. God damn! When's that coming out, David? It's supposed to go out pretty soon, huh? Hey?
1: Maybe March? No, I think it's little. I think it's the summer, isn't it? July? Or is it? Is it earlier? July, oh, we can see. Oh, yeah, it's summer. Yeah. Uh, David, what was your shout out? What's what's happening um, in your world?
0: So since you mentioned Paradise Kiss by, I, um, Yasuo, I need to mention Black Jose press, which is owned by my friend Jamila Rouser, oh. cause she grew, basically grew up on Nana, like Nana is her Sandman, her watchman, whatever you want to call it. And now she's trying to make comics, that like, kind of give that same feel for black and, uh, Latinx square women. Oh, cool! And okay. So The story's about just like being alive and like enjoying what you're doing and having extremely messy relationships. Those appeal, uh, BlackJosePress.com. That sounds awesome.
1: That sounds great. great. My shout-out this week is, uh, I don't remember if I did this already, but I'm watching so much Midnight Diner on uh, mm. Netflix. It's based on a based on a comic. It's based on a Japanese manga about a Japanese a shokudo, like a Japanese cafeteria or a diner that opens at midnight. And just like the people that live there and they you know, the people that visit and they have little struggles, it's very episodic, and it's, you know, there's a moral sometimes, and it's, it's a little, a little cringe at times, but <laughs> man, I love it. I love it so much. It is just like, it's like sitting in a nice, it's sitting in a shitty but nice restaurant in, in Shinjuku, and just listening to the patrons talk, and I miss that so much in traveling, so spending a lot of time with uh, with Midnight Diner right now. And the comics aren't available in English, they're pretty good hit in France, uh, in France and relatively big and actually in Japan too but uh, I, yeah.
2: I, I think someone has an offer in for that one I think it's going to come out pretty soon
1: fingers crossed it's a it's a great, yeah. great comic what I've read okay. of it But yeah if you're right if're you're, if you're on the net on the Netflixes and you want to, if you want to see what it's like to go to a small restaurant in Japan that's that's my pick midnight Diner
2: and you can also there's also a website called onecookbook.com that if you get hungry while watching Midnight Diner she has a whole series of recipes on how to cook along with it. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I made the salmon with mushrooms in foil. It was yummy.
1: <laughs> that's Actually, I just watched that episode. That was so good. Oh, it was good. It, was, it involved cheating, which is whoa, shocking. Chip, what's your shout-out? What's your shout-out, Bo? Um, oh, I've just been reading a lot of Marvel comics for work lately. So
3: my kind of downtime, my wife and I have been watching Kim's Convenience. Uh-huh. Oh. Great Canadian TV
1: show, James
3: Convenience. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a, it's a CBC mm-hmm. show about a uh, Korean family and their convenience store. And it's very charming. Very charming. If you like Schitt's Creek, it's like the next Canadian sitcom to watch.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That
3: sounds
0: there great. You go. Yeah. That's me. Awesome. We all had shout outs this time. I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, until next time, we will be manga explaining. Uh, uh, Helter Skelter by uh, Kyoko Okazaki, and we'll look forward to talking to you then. Thanks a lot.
1: This has been Manga Planning, episode number three. Mermaid Saga by Rumiko Takahashi, published by Viz Media. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga Helter Skelter by Kyoko Okazaki, published by Vertical Inc. and Kodansha Comics. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode.
2: You know how to book flights and hotels.